Everyone you meet every single day is fighting a battle you may know nothing about. We're all in the process of overcoming. I'm Justin Wren, and my story has been heard by millions of people through my book, my TED Talk, podcast interviews, TV shows, professional fighting, and my foundation, Fight for the Forgotten. I believe we are all overcomers if we choose to overcome. We all have the option. I've been given the opportunity to overcome childhood trauma, sexual abuse, immense bullying, depression, suicidal ideation, substance use disorder, and I am a two-time suicide survivor. We are here to have conversations with some of the greatest minds of our time. Get ready to be inspired and to receive the tools and game plan to win this fight called life. Thank you for being here, for showing up for yourself. You, me, we have overcome 100% of our darkest days. I'm not done yet, and neither are you. This is your invitation to overcome. Hans Kim. Hey, Justin. Hey, thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is awesome. I'm really, really stoked uh, to get into your story, Uh to share who you are with at least our listeners, but I want to boost your signal because you've made me laugh so much every time I've come to Kill Tony. (laughs) And then we had an interaction, which was uh, really special to me. You just were an encouragement and- I think I was hoping to encourage you and just tell you how great you are. Thank you, man. I mean, you encourage people all the time, so I'm glad that I could pay it forward. Hmm. I mean, I uh, heard you on Joe Rogan for the first time like five, ten years ago, and it's just amazing that you're actually doing it and making a positive difference instead of just, you know, complaining on Twitter like I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, But sometimes you meet, someone and I mean, Amy's with us and and you're here, but I'm sure there's sometimes you just meet someone and you're like something different about that guy. (laughs) Um, and, or that person or that interaction that it's not surface level. There's something deeper to it Mm -hmm. and it's genuine. And I had one of those moments with you right after a comedy show. I think, I think it was new year's and, or maybe right after that, actually it was after that. And uh, we were upstairs at the Vulcan where you guys have, what'd you say? You, you took it over? Terraformed it. Terraformed it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just become a comedy spot. It used to be just a, a bar or club, right? Yeah, it was a drinking club. spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It turned into kind of more of a dance EDM type thing for a while. Yeah. And now it's just basically comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, that moment, I, I mean, I'm just really grateful. But I wanted to talk about a moment that you've had recently, which is, I think last weekend mm-hmm. you were- in a private jet with a bunch of badass comedians yeah. going to a stadium to perform uh, with Joe Rogan, Tony Hinchcliffe. Who else was there? Uh, Cameron Haynes. Wow. Yeah. Was there. Keep uh, hammering. He wasn't performing, but yeah. he was supporting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the UFC was all there. Yeah. Um, and it was a great experience. Uh, really, really amazing. Absolutely. And then, so private jet. And before that, would you say you were experiencing homelessness or you, you, uh, I mean like just months ago or six months ago or something like that and Yeah, or living out of your van? Yeah. I was, I chose homelessness. Chose it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, you know, focus on the thing, uh, comedy. And I was like, I want to get rid of any distractions. And I think, uh, it's detrimental to have a job. So I, chose to uh you know uh have the fewest moving parts in my life possible just purely comedy wow so, that's commitment yeah <laughs> that, i mean yeah 
Why I, is it detrimental to have a job? Because you I have mean, to, you don't commit fully. Yeah, to not every job, but like, yeah, for me, like, I wouldn't, I couldn't make money off of comedy yet, so I would have had to have like a nine to five, and then after work, I would go to, you know, so it, it's just better for me to just sleep all day and then do comedy and then go back to sleep. So <laughs> I like that. I, honestly, I mean, I can relate it a little bit to MMA, where, I mean, I couldn't have these other jobs i had to be in the gym i had to be i mean i was young i was 19 when i started fighting professionally and i had to be in the gym focusing on that because the guy standing across from me he's he's coming and he <laughs> and so i i had to put all my eggs in one basket and so that's where we can relate it was like go all in bet on yourself and say i'll make the needed sacrifices yeah so that i can live my dream yeah I think like it's that's the best use of a person is at a task. Like a dog, if you keep it locked up in a kennel, it's not gonna be fulfilled. Even if you feed it, even if you groom it, like it needs a job. It needs to be pulling a sled or like you know delivering beer to stranded people in the Alps. Yeah. It needs something, or else it's like, what am I doing here? And I think the best use of a person is towards a task, and that way we learn like patience, discipline, determination. And I think like if we have a task, then it, you are the best version of you, no matter what the task is. Hmm. I like that. Do you think the task needs to attach purpose or passion or meaning? Yeah. 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 Depending on your level of, uh, you know, uh, involvement in the world and your understanding or your perspective, I think whatever you think of the world, you need to add to it, whatever you think it is. And, you know, it's different for everyone. Uh, you know, I don't think everyone should do comedy or else we wouldn't have any doctors or anything. But uh, for me, I thought it was a good choice for me. So I was like, I, I would let me just get into this, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, to go into your story a little bit, because you have been doing comedy for how long? Nine years. Nine years. And you're 32? Yeah. 32. And when did you discover this dream? I mean, because did your parents move here to the, the yeah. United States? 1988. 1988. I was born 89. Nice. Yeah. I was born 87. So they got here right oh, in between wow. us. Right in between us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what they have, their idea maybe of the American dream that, that brought them here. And then for you to find yours in comedy, does that go against the grain? Or how did you find that? Um, through Joe Rogan. Okay. Uh, through his podcast. Sweet. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I love this. I know. It was crazy that I got to meet him and now I hang out with him. So it's a dream come true. It's like, you know, meeting your hero and then he plucks you out of the whatever, out of the ether. So it was, it was like my dream come true. I mean, the reason I got into it is his podcast and he was a positive real male role model in my life. Um, but my parents are pretty progressive. You know, they're the new wave of Asian parents who don't just want you to do doctor, lawyer, engineer. Um, they're a little more open-minded and they just they don't want me to be, uh, I guess, homeless. But I was, but <laughs> a drug addict or whatever. Yeah. They wanted me to be productive no matter what it was or find my passion. Because my mom's dad is a theater type of person he does he's a director so he was a director cool. or something is that in south korea yeah yeah wow well that's cool that you had supportive parents but where did the dream begin what was the birthplace of comedy you said with joe rogan but mm -hmm. but when you were listening 
was there this light bulb moment that you were like, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I guess um, I just couldn't see a productive way of contributing to the world if I wasn't going to make fun of it. So <laughs> I wanted to make fun of it. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. I don't think like just adding like, you know, my engineering or mathematic background to the world would be that productive. I think it's not, uh, not necessary, but I think like with ideas and jokes and comedy, the results can be exponential, uh, and it can have a bigger impact than just like building a nice bridge or mm. something. Yeah. And so you did have an engineering degree, right? Yeah. And I heard you say, or I think I saw Tony post too, you had a, like a, what was it? 2.6 GPA. Yeah. And I, I'm right there with you. I, I graduated 236 out of 237 in my high school. <laughs> <laughs> so not dead last, but uh, I'm the only one of us, I think, that's wrote a book so far. So <laughs> that my English teacher at, at Barnes & Noble said, if there was one person I never thought would write a book, it was you. And so, but for you, what were you doing right before you were listening to the podcast and discovering your dream? What were you doing at that time? I was working at a small startup company, Quantum Surgical, making uh, new surgical tools. So surgical tools that hadn't been made before. It was all centered around this one guy, uh, Keith, I think his name, Kevin. Uh, and he was like a very alpha, you know, go-getter type. And I, he got me out of college and I worked there for six months, kind of, you know, doing whatever I could, not really too motivated to do it and then I got fired and then I was like well I am not cut out for engineering let me try this comedy thing and where were you at that time it was Seattle or New York that was in Chattanooga Tennessee oh. okay the college was in Atlanta I did a little internship before that in Noonan and then went back home to live with my parents and they let me stay there for five years doing comedy yes nice <laughs> and what was it like to, because I've had these moments where I've, I've, I've jumped into wrestling. It was my outlet. Whenever I was getting really heavily bullied, I, I, I then jumped into MMA knowing that those guys for sure don't get bullied. If I can become <laughs> that, like I'm not going to be beat up. Yeah, uh, I'll do the beating up, but I won't beat up bad people. Just do it for sport. And, um, and then from that, I had a big shift and jumped in the nonprofit world. And then from that, jumped in now now to podcasting. And those moments, whenever you're learning something new, they can be so intimidating that I see a lot of other people that just say they're going to do it, but then they never get to that jumping off place mm -hmm. or they never just do it. What was it like for the early days you going up to an open mic night? What was your process? You're, you're, you're brand new. You've never done it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I'm going to do it. But then what was like learning the ropes like for you? How, <laughs> how, how'd you start? Um, well, I think I had the courage to be able to start because I failed so spectacularly in engineering. So okay. I was like, I have nothing to lose. I'm a loser already. Like how much worse could it get? And also, like, I guess I had some sort of confidence because of, like, you know, I used to be uh, thought of as smart. You know, my parents told me I was smart. I don't know why I thought I was smart, but I thought I was smart. And I was like, if I can figure it out, I could probably make a living out of it. But um, the beginning processes were pretty rough. I mean, comedy is pretty hard. You're 
out there saying your most controversial thoughts、mm. in front of a bunch of people. So it didn't always go over, but、uh, yeah, I just kept at it. I, I, yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm Asian, but I approached it with the work ethic of like an Asian, like just.、Nice. Yeah, like the violin. It's just comedies, like the violin. Just the more you do it, the better you're gonna get. That's、yeah. so true.、Mm-hmm. That's so true. And so, whenever you're writing jokes, what I mean, I mean, you think about a violin, and you have chords, and you have feedback, instant feedback, right? Because you're hearing it, and you, if you hit the wrong,、uh, Amy's helping me learn the ukulele right now. She's a guitar <laughs> player, and I mean, I. She obviously knows, and then I'm like, "Is this right?" And they're like, "Whoa, no, that's not the right note." So I'm getting instant feedback trying to le- learn this thing, but you're not getting instant feedback. You're just all in your your own head.、Um, but what is that process like where you're testing a new joke before you get up there, and then when you get up there, like, what's the difference? How you think it's going to work, and then how it really goes over? Yeah. Well, I had no idea when I started. I wrote down Joe Rogan's whole special word for word, hoping that would help. <laughs> yeah,、um, nice. Did it? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it might have. It might have helped him manifest. Look, Joe just saying, "Hey, come with、are. me on,、yeah. on tour." I can quote his jokes back to him. Yeah. <laughs> I can act like a big fanboy.、Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it helped in the sense that I was like, I did the work. It gave me confidence to be like, I. Am、uh, I deserve to be good at this? Because I did look at all this work I did, even though it might have not have been useful. It's like I'm trying, and、uh, the desire was there. Like if、uh, I wanted to write a joke, I would spend all the, the time I needed to do make it happen. I wasn't like I got to be the youngest to ever do it with the least amount of effort. I was like, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it, and.、Um, It doesn't matter how foolish I look or how long it takes.、Uh, it's just my desire to do it was higher than my desire to look cool doing it. So I didn't care if I looked、uh, like a tryhard, or you know, I recorded every set, and you know, like I, I was gonna do it、uh, no matter what it took. So I didn't really try to、um, do it in a way that made me look cool. I just try to do it.、Uh, With the way that I knew it would work, which is like time and putting energy into it. Yeah, that that consistency,、mm-hmm. and then yeah, being effective. I mean, that's honing your craft. Yeah, that's that's really special to think about.、Um, what does that word mean to you? Consistency.、Um, it means just like、uh, you know, like you don't know what's ahead of you, but you know that you've done things you haven't. Done before, and whatever happens, you'll be able to manage it.、Uh, you know, and just、uh, being able to set yourself up to succeed, to be like, I can do this. Yeah, I think I think the consistency is backing up the desire, that that want, that goal, and the way that you're you're saying it. I I I tell a lot of people, they're like, how do you get in there and fight, and how do you know you're going to win instead of the other guy, and. You do have to take all that time to prepare because they say fail to fail to prepare, prepare to fail.、Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you get in there, really at the end of the day, like if you both put in equal work, it's the person with the most reasons that usually wins. That desire,、mm-hmm. like I've I've got more reasons than you, and I've been trying to stack those reasons. And I think you writing Joe's special down word for word. 
I mean, whenever you're going up there on Kill Tony and, and so many people crush it and then some people bomb. I was there Monday night, got to see you for a second and, uh, or, or, uh, cheer you on when you're up there. And there was two people that just bombed up there and it's like, oh man, this is your moment. And it's, it's, it's hard to see and it's understandable because probably everybody has bombed at yeah. some time in, in comedy. But it's like, I think it really sets you apart from, and why you're a regular on the show. And, and for people that are just tuning in and listening, what do you, and they don't know what Kill Tony is, what is that experience? What is the show? And then what, I wasn't there for your first one. I was there for one of your first mm. times. Yeah. And, and it was phenomenal seeing and watching like a, literally a, a budding master of his craft. Uh, but what is, what is the show? And then what was your first experience like? The show is like uh, a chance for young and up and coming comedians to have a national, large international audience. Uh, it's a big show. It's what uh, all the comedians coming up want to be on and watch. And it's like the ultimate version of a comedy show. Um, and uh, it's it's pretty phenomenal to be on it every week. Like people would love to be on it once a month, and I get to do it every every week. So it's pretty special, and it's a lot of responsibility because I have to, uh, you know, write jokes that are good enough to be showcased every week. So it's uh, it's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure, and you know, it's a great opportunity for me. Well, I just have to take a moment real quick and thank the sponsors of this show on it, on it.com slash overcome. You can save yourself 10% on alpha brain or new mood or total human. Some of my absolute favorites. And I'm just so grateful for their support. This show wouldn't exist without them. So thank you so much on it for sponsoring the show. And also thank you for helping me get optimized total human optimization. I also coin something maybe cheesy, but I think it's kind of cute. It's total humanitarian optimization. Oh, they help me when I'm going into a long meeting for development work, community development. And I just love the way that I feel getting into that flow state faster, feeling like I stay there longer and have had so many friends try it and absolutely love it. If you haven't tried it, you can try it for free. There's an alpha brain free trial. I think you get 15 days of free alpha brain. So please, What's the risk? Put it to the test. I would love to hear your feedback on it. Try it. The world-class nootropic that uh, really helps increase clarity, your memory, and I think it helps me engage in conversation and just feel like I'm firing on all cylinders so much better. So on it.com slash overcome, you can try it for free, Alpha Brain for free, and uh, you can save yourself 10% on all on it products at overcome or on it.com slash every time overcome. every time the on O's. it on it.com slash overcome and at checkout don't forget to type in overcome yep thank you so much and so your first time basically they pull your name out from a hat and then you get to go on stage and what there's like a bullpen of like 80 or 100 people waiting yeah. or i don't know 50 um and they've flown in from all around the country yeah and so when you were here, how long had you been in Austin? How many times had you put your name in the bucket? Mm -hmm. And then whenever you got pulled up, did how, how'd that go over? Um, I got pulled up in April, uh, I think, and or May. Um, and 
I was in here. I got here in March, so it's been two months. And then I, wow. I came every day to sign up. Uh, and the first time I went up, I did all right. The second time, I did all right. I think I went up three times. And then Tony got canceled. Uh, some oh, yeah. comedian recorded uh, his set without his permission and put it online. And uh, and it was an Asian guy. So when he came back, he had me sing the national anthem. <laughs> yeah, we were there for that. <laughs> yeah, we, we were. were there for that. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and I think to be fair to Tony, um, not only was it not uh, taken with his permission. It was also taken out of context. It wasn't like the full set. Yeah. It didn't show what the other comedian had been saying. It didn't show any of it. It was just like a short clip of it. Yeah. And so I think one thing we could go right into this because you said something earlier, I tuned into your YouTube live, uh, is your channel just Hans Kim? Yeah. And you've got like 20,000 plus subscribers on there. There's a bunch of people feeding you a bunch of questions <laughs> and it was great. So anyone Please go like, watch, subscribe to Hans's uh, YouTube channel. Help him out there, and uh, you'll you'll enjoy it. But one thing you said was how not everyone gets to experience, and I, and I have been the benefactor of this too, where n not everyone gets to experience like Joe and Tony and who they really are. Mm -hmm. So some people have just—I mean—they tried to cancel Tony, they've tried to cancel Joe, but how have those guys been with you personally? They're amazing. They're so gracious and, you know, they're nicer than some people who have uh, more reasons to be nice. You know, like some people are, you know, a lot less, you know, uh, powerful than them. And they're, they're just nice uh, because that's who they are. And it's just great to be around. They're so genuine. They're not nice because they want anything. They're just, that's just who they are. And they just shine authentically. They have no need to prove themselves. They are just, uh, you know, showing me how they are, how they feel, and they communicate very honestly. And it's amazing to be around it and to feed off that energy. And hopefully I can, you know, use that in the other areas of my life. Does that feel like kind of a relief when you met them and you were like, they're actually nice, <laughs> you know? I mean, I always thought they would be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You hear like, stories sometimes about people. Right. So. Never meet your heroes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But Joe is, does three hours every day, every weekday. So it's like, it's kind of hard to hide. Mm -hmm. It's true. So, true. Yeah. Yeah. He's like a different kind of celebrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's the real deal. Yeah. I mean, he's helped change the trajectory of Fight for the Forgotten. We've get, we've had donors from all 50 states, 60 different countries, over 10,000 people. I mean, like... It's uh, the Joe Rogan effect of like his support. Like we wouldn't have been able to do half of what we've done or, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do a 10th of what we've done without his help and his mouthpiece of like saying, Hey, support this here. Yeah. So it's cool to see. I really love him and Tony supporting you because I think you're the type of guy and um, you're really humble, but, but let me say this where I think you're the type of guy that will wield that as a force for good like your voice and even your comedy, like sometimes it's self-deprecating or whatever you call it, but like you're a good dude. And now you got these guys that you can say, ah, you can make it and be a good dude. <laughs> and so I, I think that you're set up for such great success. And I love seeing that. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I modeled my life after Tony and Joe. So, uh, it only makes sense that, uh, I would, uh, you know, be gravit I would gravitate towards them. 
But you know, I try to be a good person. You know, I try to keep the demons at bay, and I mean that's why I love uh, what you do. And uh, you know, because I know, like growing up as a, the big guy that you are, it must not have been easy. You know, there's a lot more demons that you have to fight, and to see that you can handle it with such grace, it just gives like nerds like me no excuse but to be gracious. Uh. Yeah. Well, thank you. That that's that's very kind. What do you what do you think when you talk about those demons? Uh, this show is called Overcome, and uh, basically the premise is um, you, me, we have overcome one hundred percent of our darkest days. And so, what have been, if you're okay sharing it, what have been some of your toughest or darkest days, and then how have you gotten through that? Some of life's greatest struggles. Um, I, uh, did acid once and I got arrested by the cops and they beat me wow. and I woke up in a hospital. Ooh. Um, how long ago was that? That was probably four or five years ago. Mm. And in Seattle, um, I guess that was dark because they were, uh, you know, trying to hurt me and it didn't seem like there was any reason or, uh, benefit to it but i mean i guess the acid helped but i was just like whatever i'm uh, i'm not gonna give you what you want i'm just gonna take it there's nothing i can do if i die here i die but i uh yeah i mean uh that was that was a dark time it was a dark moment um i don't really know um what i could have done differently but i just um i just uh you know uh was like uh this is uh there's only one thing i can do and that's to uh respond to what's happening in a in a way that's aligns with uh who i am and um i uh yeah i i i just uh you know wasn't like trying to stop them from doing what they were doing cuz they were going to do it regardless i was just trying to control my response to it and uh you know that's that's some a way that I, that's something that I overcame. But um, another thing would probably be like the uh, the college thing, you know, like the intellectual shame or like in in school that's all you have when you're twenty twenty two and you have bad grades. It's like you're a bad person, you're incompetent, you're human garbage. We don't need you. We got this other guy that's better looking, smarter, better grades. Um, and like it, it's really detrimental to uh, that that uh, to students when they when they're when they feel like that. But it's like there has to be something inside of people that is worth more than your GPA. Um, so I don't know, just like the uh, the belief in humanity that we are people and there's good in every one of us, the best things in Joe or. You know, like uh, some of some of the greatest heroes are the best things in all of us. That determination, the jo the joy, the, you know, the happiness and the uh, the strength is uh, something that we all share as human beings, and it's uh, something that we can all tap into is our inner Joe Rogan or yeah, being yeah. the hero of your own movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so growing up, um, did you did you say you moved around? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah, from New Jersey to Seattle. New Jersey to Seattle. What ages were you then? I moved when I was seven, and then I went to college when I was 18. Yeah. Did you ever experience bullying growing up? 
Um, not really. I went to a Christian school. Uh, it's very small school. Um, there was one time when I was doing something silly on the playground, and some girl was like, "That Asian boy is crazy," and then. My sister was like, oh, "I'm so hurt by it," but I didn't even notice it yeah. happened. But yeah, okay. stuff like that. Yeah. So I mean, I was trying to see because, like, I wonder going back to that that story. You 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 share a lot about racism. Um, just that's a, a joke that I've heard you say a few times, and, and you're hilarious at it. Um, doing it to you have a. Uh, what is it? Panda Express? Panda Express. Panda Express joke. Yeah. That, that's really funny. People should go check out. And then, but have you experienced racism like for real at all? Um, uh, or that moment from the police? Was that was that potentially race driven at all? I'm or, sure it was a factor. A factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that would have happened to a lot of different people. Um, Just because me being a middle-aged white guy. I mean, I, I, I'm second family with the Mabuti Pygmy people in Batwa uh, in Africa, but, and I've seen it there firsthand. And I have family here, uh, in the South that are, that are like second, third cousins that are from Mississippi. And I've, I've heard some stuff, but just being a middle-aged white guy with blonde hair, blue eyes, like, um, if you, if you had, like, I, I won't understand more of it, but maybe you haven't. I would have to think. Um, I mean, every now and then there's some shitty interaction. Like I was on the subway trying to wheel in like a little uh, cabinet and some woman would just was standing just right there. Some like, you know, like typical, I don't mean to be racist, but trailer trash kind of looking person. Yeah. So it like didn't hurt because I was like, your life is worse than mine. So I don't feel bad. But I, I mean, I think it's subtle. So I don't really notice and i think it's like there's so many other struggles yeah uh that i think racism is sort of down the list for me but yeah see that's that's uh whenever i see it in in africa like that's that for me is like the real deal because people are being super oppressed or not given medicine when they are in need of it or different things like that and and here it's been i just haven't seen it a lot with my own eyes but um Whenever, Amy, did you have, did you have anything there? I've, I don't there was, know. Or a question? I, I looked over at you a minute ago. I thought you had a question. Hans, do you think you have like thicker skin? Hmm. Oh, because I know you take comedy as a business and like that's what you want to do. So I take, I guess, or I would ask you like, do you take criticism pretty easily and pretty yeah. evenly because of that? But it sounds like even on the playground, you just let things roll off you and I don't know. I just suspect maybe you have thicker skin than. Well, yeah, people. I think being in comedy so long, you, you develop have to, it, right? Yeah, yeah. But it you sounds like you it. were kind of predisposed for that. Yeah, I mean, I think whenever someone is insulting you or roasting you, it helps to think about what they're, where they're coming from, why they're saying it. Are they saying it because they wanted this parking spot or whatever? Because then it doesn't hurt. Like, oh, he's just calling me this name because I cut him off in traffic. And it's like, oh, then you could be not take it so personally and maybe respond in a way that where you're like, oh, yeah, you're looking at me from this perspective, but let me zoom out and look at it from an overall perspective and then say something back to that person <laughs> that is not just this perspective. Because then nobody likes to just be stuck in that perspective. It, it's like if you can show the world as a more complex, beautiful place, 
then people are going to enjoy that more than just someone screaming a racial epithet. So, do you um, ever get really fired up about something? You seem like a pretty even type <laughs> of guy. Yeah, I try to be. Uh, yeah, I uh, I've been playing a lot of Catan online, and yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. <laughs> I want to play a live game sometime with you. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. We play live. We record it and put it up on YouTube. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. shoot! I don't know. It's going to be oh. filmed being crushed. <laughs> you should do it. <laughs> being filmed, being crushed. So you get fiery there. Uh, sometimes. Do you, you talk know, trash? Playing with other players, strangers, yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> Not in person, though. Okay. Uh, I, I want to play sometime in person. I, I've only played with people from like MMA or martial arts. And they. I was playing with some friends and they had their own pieces made. Um, and it was, it was their own board that they had handmade everything. And it was, it was awesome. It was badass. And then I was like, guys, this is my first time playing. And I was playing against like three or four ringers, but I think just like watching them and sensing it, everything, somehow I won the game and they were really <laughs> upset. Beginner's luck. Uh, yeah, no. probably. Beginner's luck. And then uh, I won two or three more games in a row after that. <laughs> wow. And then I, and then they started to figure me out or maybe I just figured out how they were playing and then they were able to crush me on their, their, <laughs> their strategy and system. So I do want to play with you sometime. <laughs> yeah. That'd be fun. And then I, so you impressed me earlier today on your um, YouTube live because uh, I was interested really on, on the consensus of Brendan Schaub because uh, he was a roommate of mine on the ultimate fighter. I was a teammate and training partner. I called Brendan a friend and um and uh, he's done some some good stuff for people. Uh, I I don't know if I remember telling you that I uh, he he saved some people or at least helped them whenever their car was burning and it was on the interstate in L.A. Yeah, he and, did. Um, and he's done some really good things. And then he's been getting roasted, and I guess <laughs> and so in comedy. And you responded to the question of what's the consensus. You're like he's he's doing what he what he loves, or yeah. he's not hurting anybody. He's doing comedy. Yeah. He's not burning a rainforest down. Yeah. Like you should save this anger for maybe, you know, the Sackler family or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually but. have some anger towards them. I was an oxy addict. Um, uh, and uh, yeah. So they, they own, wasn't yeah. it Purdue Pharma? Purdue, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, I think he's a convenient target. He's also so, the reason why people shit on him, I think, is because he's so lovable and sweet. Uh, yeah. So it's easy because you know he's not going to respond in a negative way. And you can pick on him and take out your demons of bigger guys or dumb guys or whatever you think he is. Yeah, and he's a big pro fighter, so he can't hit you. He'll go, <laughs> he'll go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, deadly weapons for hands. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so how – I wonder, I, because I grew up getting picked on, and sometimes I've tried to – Amy said thicker skin earlier. And I've really tried to – say to myself, instead of having soft skin and allowing myself to get a hard, hardened heart, like I, I need a, th I need thicker skin so I can maintain my soft, soft heart or like mm -hmm. loving heart and not get so jaded. Mm -hmm. And so whenever you, I mean, you're just on, um, not just on the rise, you've been doing this, you've been grinding for nine right. years. It's not <laughs> an overnight success. Right. It feels like it sometimes, but yeah. like, it's gotta be just boom. You know, like a yeah. rocket ship to the moon. Yeah. And then, uh, I guess on that thicker skin part, like, what do you, what do you do to like, because there might be a stereotype out there that, um, 
that some comedians deal with like depression and other things and, and, and maybe comedy is a way to deflect or, uh, you know, make themselves laugh and other people laugh. So they're not sad and depressed. So how do you, how did comedy come about in your life and have you dealt with depression and, and what do you do about it? And, um, I mean, I've always been very sensitive and I always like, whenever I go to a party and someone says something, I'm like, Oh fuck. And I'll think about it for days and weeks afterwards. And then comedy is like doing that every day in a heightened environment. So it's like really difficult. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once it's become comedy, then it's like, it's just, that's what happened in the comedy club. Now, what are you going to do? So it's like, I can be like, oh, that's... And then once I start looking at social situations like that, then it's like, oh, everything is just a show or like just what happened at that moment and it can be improved upon. It's like a game and like, oh, I didn't do well that game. Let me study it and get better. So uh, it, I guess like just gamifying it and making mm-hmm. it into a to a like uh yeah yeah like a competition uh kind of made it so that it doesn't hurt as much um and then the depression i've uh found that just like focusing on a task and just simplifying who i think i am to the bare minimum it really helps so that i'm not like oh i'm a guy that always wins arguments and is always the first in line and is the fastest driver like the fewer of those things i have the less People can hurt me, so I'm just like, I'm just like an autistic virgin loser that no one can attack me. But I guess like it's important to have confidence too. You don't want to like uh, think of yourself too uh, poorly. But um, yeah, I mean, I just try to focus on the task, and uh, I think having the community of com- comedians around me was very helpful to me, so that it, I'm not just myself. I'm this big group. And you might hurt me, but I'm also, you know, my friend Riley or, you know, my friend, uh, you know, uh, Miles. or So it's like uh, just like sort of losing myself in the, in the craft and in the scene really helped so that I'm, I didn't have to like bear the brunt of uh, going through the world alone. Mm. So mm, That's good. I think you said something earlier too when someone asked you a question. You said something like you don't try to avoid um, depression at all cost. Uh-huh. You allow yourself to feel it yeah, and ask questions why. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a really unique perspective because I think a lot of people, like I think you were actually saying it earlier. I'm just maybe repeating you, but you were like, a lot of people are like, why am I feeling this way? And then like run from it. Mm-hmm. But you and allow, allowing yourself a healthy way to like acknowledge it, see it like feel it. And Amy's told me this thing a few times. It's like face it all, feel it all. And magic happens mm-hmm. instead of running from it. Yeah. And so, yeah, gamifying it. That's a, that's a unique way to, to think <laughs> about it. Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I'm autistic, so maybe that's not the healthiest way because I don't want to be too detached. I'd also want to be in the moment and experiencing mm-hmm. it and feeling the high highs and, you know, the low lows sometimes, but I guess like if I'm flying in a jet with Joe Rogan, then I could feel like seven more sad moments, you know? So it just works out. So I try to add positive moments to balance out the negative, but if it's all negative, then, uh, then it becomes hard to handle. But if there's some positives, then that helps. Fight for the forgotten.org. 
you can go check out Fight for the Forgotten, the foundation that I started. It is my passion project. It is something that I love so much because of the people we get to help. We get to help the pygmy tribe who adopted me in help themselves. We say opportunity is greater than charity. Charity can be great, but opportunity is just always better. That's why we've drilled something like 80 water wells already, providing over 30,000 people clean water. We've started sustainable farms, bought back over 3,000 acres of land for the people who originally owned it, put it in their name. We built 32 homes, and now we're about to start a health center, a school, and a marketplace. They're going to have a maternity ward, a pediatrics unit, and a dental suite. You can join the Fight for the Forgotten Fight Club at fightfortheforgotten.org. We would love, love, love to invite you on this journey to join this fight arm in arm with us. Our fight club, it's a monthly giving club. You can give $5 or more a month, and that empowers us to empower people. Thank you for being on this journey with us. I invite you to come along for the ride. It's been absolutely epic, putting love and compassion in action and fighting for people. Fightfortheforgotten.org. Join our fight club. Talking about positives, we should ask Hans if he's ever seen our favorite show. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen on Netflix? um, It's called Love on the Spectrum. No. You haven't? I haven't. Isn't it the, it's the sweetest show in all the world. Like, it's probably one of the best things I think I've ever seen. Do you agree? It's great. It's Mm -hmm. great. Like, it was melting our hearts. Because they have people from all over the spectrum that, like, some of you are like, this person, uh, like, you might not, you might be ignorant, like maybe I was at the time, and I'm like, does that person really have autism? Are they really on the spectrum? And then some that were maybe more severe. Um, But man, some of the moments of unconditional love or... Who was one of our favorite people? His name was Michael. I, I can't remember. Yeah, his I name think was that's Michael. Correct, yeah. And he was just so blunt. Yeah, he was. And was able to like know if he's going to like someone or know if he's not going to like someone. And so Love on the Spectrum is a dating show. And they, they have matchmakers and they set people up and the families are there and they come back and they give feedback. And it's just, it's epic. If anyone listening, like go watch a show because it's, it's well worth it for anybody. I, I don't think you can watch one episode and say it was a waste of time. You'll be like, I want to watch more and binge it. Yeah. But saying that, like, when, when did you find out that you had autism? Oh, I don't know if I do. I just say oh, okay. it. Cause... Oh, you just say it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to take a swig of our forties. I tried to be funny and I brought us forties in, in the house, but it's just waters. Um, and Hans got four drinks in front of him. I haven't let him, uh, have much of it yet because I've been letting him do a lot of the talking, but he's got a Yerba mate a 40 ounce water, a coconut water, and he's got a pineapple cider in front of him before he goes Tonight to the secret show with Red Band. Do I have to drink all this? Uh, you have to drink all of it. You want to be hydrated before your show. <laughs> took some Alpha Brain. Yeah, I took some Alpha Brain. How do you like it? I like it. Yeah, I uh, I hope it's <laughs> I hope it's me, but I'm sure Alpha Brain is helping. Yeah, <laughs> it's you. It's all you. <laughs> but uh, I, I I love Alpha Brain. In fact, that's the reason we can have this show is because On It is a sponsor of the show. 
And I'm so grateful for them. I got to try it the first time on Joe's podcast. Second time was they sent me a care package when I was living in the rainforest. Uh, they did send a package by DHL. And whenever I came back from Congo to Uganda to get uh, more well drilling equipment, um, there was a package for, for me, but from on it, uh, DHL. And I took that back in and man, it gave me a second wind for the next like six months because <laughs> I was able to take that and a bunch of the other stuff, the shroom tech and I like uh, on it stuff. So, yeah. um, if you ever want some more, I'll, I'll, I'll help you get some. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You'll like it. It's awesome. Yeah. Amy, what are you thinking? Uh, I was just thinking about, I've lived in Austin a long time. How, when did you move here? March of last year. Okay. I've just lived in Austin for a long time. And right before the pandemic, I, because I work for the Statesman stuff, so I'm always like looking at what's going on in town. And I just started to notice such a trend of comedy coming up in Austin. And I was surprised. And I would talk about it on the radio. And I was like, man, we've really got a comedy scene going during the week here. It's really coming up. And then the pandemic happened. But then Rogan moved here and then it just really broke out. And I was kind of curious what pushed you to move to Austin and how does the energy feel here? And I think we're going to release this during Moon Tower comedy. So I feel like that too, just seeing Moon Tower have another year here in person. I was excited about the lineup. I was excited about everything that I was seeing with what was happening here. And it just feels like such a great, I know probably a lot of people will listen to this that are desiring to be comedians and it's just such a magnetic place for it. And I was just wondering your take on like the energy and what brought you here. Exactly. I'm, I mean, yeah. I can guess, but yeah, I love it here. I mean, I think that New York and LA is like a uh, lot of, uh, you know, the way things were done before and here it's new. We're making it, we don't, we're not beholden <clears throat> to, you know, corporate interest or the way things were done before. I think this is like the new West. We're moving westward and, I guess to the center and south, but um, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> it's still Texas though. We yeah. got a wild west attitude. It's just pure. Uh, there's less things that are like vying for your control. It's, it's just com- comedy is so simple. Just one person talking. So the less strings you have attached to it, the more honest and pure it is. And I think comedy really benefits from that. And you can feel that is that energy just going yeah. on when you're when you're in the communities that you're in now yeah. with other comedians. This community is so beautiful. This I don't know if it's the pandemic, but people are just so thankful to be able to do it at all. Like we were locked in our homes for six, seven, eight months, so it went away. Comedy was I never thought mm-hmm. I would not be able to do it, and uh, now we have it back, and we're like, oh, thank God, and we weren't able to see people for eight months or seven or whatever. Uh, two months in Texas. Uh, <laughs> two years everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> They're still at it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like people are uh, so happy to see each other and people are more valuable now and we all hang out, we all party together and there, I've never been a part of a community that, a comedy community that uh, actually enjoyed each other as much as this one. So this is a, this is a very beautiful scene and I'd love to do what, my best to help it. What a cool thing to come yeah. out yeah. of this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I heard that you were on Instagram one day, and you just 
decided to throw a party. (laughs) Like DM me if you want to come to the party. And uh, like just just welcoming people that were fans of you uh, (laughs) into your home. That that is Southern hospitality, my friend. (laughs) I don't know that you're going to be able to do that very long, but uh, but that that that's a that's a unique thing. That's like a special person to say, "Hey, I want to hang out with y'all because community uh, is important to you." Yeah. People, you know, uh, you don't have to be yourself. You can uh, be a part of something larger. And I would love to, you know, not be myself all the time. Uh, you know, no matter how awesome I am, it's <laughs> helpful to, you know, like uh, talk to other people and uh, imbibe their energy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, I only invited people who had like real Instagram accounts, not like yeah. two pictures and t- two followers. Yeah, you got to be careful. Amy's big podcast she loves and is a big fan of is uh, My Favorite Murder. Mm-hmm. It's uh, What's their saying, their slogan? Stay sexy and don't get murdered? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I heard that one. True crime so, comedy, I like a lot of last podcast on the left. And, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. But anyways, just don't get killed out there, Hans. We need you. <laughs> yeah. we, that moral of the story is stay sexy and don't get murdered. Yeah. Okay, my friend. Uh, and then- so uh, have you heard of some of these t-shirts that have been made? I mean, I've, I've known, I've heard in the ethers of Austin, people wanting to make shirts. I, I think some people were rumored to do, I kissed Hans Kim. Yeah. I, I kissed Hans Kim. And I fucked Hans Kim. Oh. And then uh, uh, what was what was the one that they actually made? The, is it Was it called Acid Viking? Was that one that was for Hans? I don't know, but it says it on his shirt right now. Oh. Oh, what's the Acid Viking? This is a band that sent me their merch. Okay. uh, Lady Owl. Cool. I thought you wore Acid Viking, like, especially for the Viking. (laughs) I've done some acid. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think uh, our our friends Caroline and Skye, at least Amy and Mize, and and I know you know them, they're, they're just, they were so happy to see the support you got when you moved here because they were just big fans in the comedy scene. And they both been helping us on this show and they were, they were both suggesting that I have you on the show and I wanted to. And then we had that special moment. And I was just like, yes, how could I not want this guy? So where do you see it? So nine years ago, you got into it saying, I want to be a comic. Yeah. And I want to be like Joe and Tony. Now you're doing comedy with Joe and Tony. <laughs> so where do you go from here? What are what are some goals? What are maybe things you have to overcome? Or what is what is just the flow of you going to where you want to be? Well, right now I have a lot of the sophomore syndrome where I have all this wealth of material that uh, I wrote when I was a little child. And now I have to like keep writing and come up with new jokes and this is like where uh, people find out if they're like a one-hit wonder or if they're uh, actually something more substantive behind it. So this is, uh, you know, I'm excited to find out. And, you know, that's what I got into this for is to find out. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to do an hour. I'd love to practice that hour and release a special and then another one and then just talk to people and, uh, you know, uh, perform in front of as many people as possible and try to make a difference and uh, be relevant. And, you know, like uh, pretty much Joe Rogan's career is what I'm uh, basing it around. Like I have different interests. I love uh, computer games and board games and, uh, you know, uh, slinging 
Uh, but yeah, like Joe. You say slinging? Yeah, like this thing, David and Goliath. Really? Yeah. You like slinging? Yeah. Wow, like a slingshot, but slinging. Yeah. So not the rubber where you pull not, it back. Yeah. Oh, there was a show. Uh, what was the show? It was a comedy. Oh, the uh, Righteous Gemstones. Yeah. The Righteous. Where they had it. Yeah. And they went and they took out like some bad guys or something <laughs> yeah. with, with slings. Uh, so you can do that. Can yeah. you hit a target? Yeah. I'm not that good. Cool. Uh, I'd like to see yeah. that in action. That should be like a, a Instagram reels. You yeah. with a sling. <laughs> it's uh, so simple. All you need is a rope and yeah. then rocks are everywhere. Yeah, you just call it the Goliath of con- comedy. <laughs> like, uh, I guess you'd be David, but, but really you like the, a giant in the space now. That's really cool to, <laughs> to see. Yeah. Um, so you going on that path, what is it like? Maybe you could set this up for a listener because you were doing probably open mic nights at really small venues. And then, well, basically this last weekend you were, um, how many people were there? 12,000. 12,000 thousand people yeah was your first open mic night 12 people (laughs) right 20 20? yeah Yeah. so that's a big difference and what does that feel like um are there nerves beforehand or do you feel just ready to go because this is what you've worked so hard for um uh some someone told me that i didn't seem nervous so that was good uh i felt like how are you (laughs) You didn't I felt, seem nervous, but yeah, I, it was like a job to do. I was like, I yeah. gotta get this done. You better not, you know, like uh, if like a firefighter fighting a fire is like, I better put this out. Like this is twelve thousand people whose attention I'm holding. I could say something that you know might get them to hate me or start a riot or ruin the show or you know. So uh, it was like a lot of like, don't fuck it up. It was was a lot of it. Uh, and then uh, after that, it's like feeling the jokes and delivering it with the emotional, uh, you know, the emotional language that the joke requires. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just like pressure and like, holy shit, you know, like getting to f- say the joke and release it out into the wild, just fling it out there and then just see it like out there was was amazing watching the people in the suites their silhouettes <laughs> just standing there looking at me like yeah wow. can you see any of their body motion like maybe whenever <laughs> a joke landed like them moving like laughing i uh, i don't remember that <laughs> i remember the people in the front laughing and guffawing yeah um, well yeah so i'm not in a cage fight like noticing people like cheering or anything like, i'm in the <laughs> moment but yeah, yeah. for you it's how how much do you have to read the crowd as you're up there? Like, is it different every time where you're like feeling it, reading them, getting feedback? Yeah, I think uh, the crowd uh, reaction informs how I tell the joke. Like, if they're, I'm like, oh, they're unsure about this part, let me land this part a little softer so I can get into this one a little harder. Um, but just playing it by ear, because uh, if you just perform it, then they can tell. Then they're like, oh, this guy's just reciting; he's not here. But if you can mm. play with them then you can, I think, hit a higher note. Wow, that's interesting. I, I've, I've never really won, uh, really been able to relate it. You just helped me. 
where you're reading the crowd, you're right there and seeing what's landing and what's not. When you said landing, I started thinking, oh, Joe just transitioned that from like fighting to comedy. Now, obviously <laughs> it's completely different, but you're, you're reading your opponent and you're, you're seeing what lands literally like right. with jabs and right hands and, and then having to be on the fly to like to adjust to, oh, this didn't work, but this might, or, oh, I got him here. Now I need to really follow that up. Yeah. And so that's, that's really neat to think about. So what do you think, uh, what do you think somebody that's just getting started, what would be the most helpful thing if they're thinking about doing an open mic night? I would say the love for a comedy, the love for people, the love for communicating and talking mm -hmm. to people. Cause if you have that love, then you're not going to quit and then you're going to be in it longer and get better at it. But if you don't like it, then it's going to be, uh, a very sad thing to see if you keep doing it. If you keep doing it and you don't like it, you're going to be like a nine to fiver, like a, uh, a, what is it, journeyman? Uh, you're going to be like a, uh, like a road comic out there, like just, you know, not really feeling it, just doing it because you have to. And I think like, if you love it, if you have the love for it, that's, that's one of the biggest things. Obviously it's not the only thing because a lot of people love it and have no talent for it, but yeah, yeah I've seen some of those that kill Tony, <laughs> 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 that, but, but I think that that is the starting point. That yeah. is the birthplace of it. So I have two friends and they've been, one is really funny. I'm thinking about Brigham, Amy, mm -hmm. and he is so funny in conversation. So funny that people ask him, why aren't you a comic? And he's a big businessman and stuff like that. They're like, why don't you even try it an open mic night? I have another friend that moved here to Austin and he's around and he's in the peripheral and he's got friends that have been on Kill Tony and, and are doing open mic nights. And, um, and he's wanted to be a comic, uh, a comedian for five plus years. In fact, has a little bit similar of a story to yours. Found the podcast, really wants to do it. It's his goal and dream. He just hasn't done it yet. He hasn't done a, a open mic night and he's gotten kind of caught up in the jobs the different stuff vying for his attention. Uh, but that's why he moved here was to be a comic. And so I've been trying to encourage those two guys saying, look, if I need to figure out how to do an open mic night myself, just to get you two's asses on stage, like I'll do it. <laughs> I'll try. And I might not be successful, but I will, I'll at least try. So if someone's like thinking about how to write a joke, I'm even thinking about coach me a little right now because I might go back to him and say, look, Hans was there. This is what he said. You guys love it. And I don't think I want to do this for the rest of my life, but I want to see you guys follow the love that you have. Um, what would be something that you going beyond the love for it, mm -hmm. like actually developing it so you can get up there? Uh, uh, an idea of what you want to say. Um, what kind of emotion you want to convey, what kind of humor, is it like self-deprecating or wry, and then like accentuating that, the type of humor that you're trying to do in that joke, accentuating that, finding different examples and uh, coming up with new tags for it. Um, just finding exactly what you what is funny about what you wrote and what kind of jokes that you write and what kind of humor that you do. Um, and then just emphasizing that and not trying to muddy it or hide it to be like, oh, this is the punchline, but I don't want anyone to know 
in case they don't laugh, but just landing on it and just mm. being like, this is the joke. And uh, you either like it or don't, but I'm not going to hide it. This is what I think is funny. Yeah. I, I, I have a, I haven't ever thought about using this uh, on, I haven't actually been thinking about doing open mic nights, but there's a, there's a funny story, but I'm already thinking, would this even work because it's two different contexts and two different cultures? But I guess you talk about culture and differing culture and you make it hilarious. But I was living with the, the, the pygmy people and I was engaged at the time. Uh, that marriage didn't last. I'm divorced. So (laughs) it was a successful marriage, but I was there and engaged, but I wanted to know more about their culture. Mm-hmm. And so I like to live with them, listen to them, learn from them. So that way I can, we can figure out together what would be the most loving thing we can do for them in the most sustainable way possible. But anyways, I was just sitting around the campfire. They call it campfire university where they would take me to school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was asking, you know, what, what happens whenever you like fall in love? And someone wants to get married because over here, this tribe does the dowry. They have to pay cows or goats. And I was like, what, what do you guys do? Cause I don't, you don't have cows or goats. Like, what do you do for marriage? Is it just, you fall in love? And they're like, oh no, it's not just that, but we do a sister exchange. And I was like a sister exchange. What, what is this? <laughs> and they were talking about, um, that if, if one of the pygmy men falls in love, uh, like I would have to come to you, her brother and say, I fell in love with your sister. And I would say here, this is, this is my sister. You take my sister. I'll take your sister. And you wouldn't be able to tell me no, that I fell in love. You can't deny me about my, you can't deny my love. And I'm like, well, what about him? Like he, 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 he might not love her. And they're like, Oh, it doesn't matter. And, uh, I started thinking about that and I'm sitting there with the chief, the elders, and they're telling me this around the fire. And I'm like, well, what about, a? you know, I don't have a sister. I'm literally the only child. And so they started scratching their heads and were thinking about it. And, uh, and the guy, one of the elders spoke up and goes, ah, we'll, we'll take your cousin. And I started thinking about that and I kind of chuckled, but I said, uh, well, I actually, I'm thinking about it now. I have all male cousins except one female cousin and she's already married. And so you can't have her cause she's already married. And one of the guys was really scratching his head and, uh, I see him go Mbio, Mbio, and, uh, or no Billy, Billy. And basically I see the number two and I'm like, Oh man, what's this going to be? Is it like two cousins? Is it what? And he just goes, we'll take two chickens. And <laughs> I was like, wow, from, from cows to goats to, to, to two, uh, to, from a sister to a cousin to two chickens <laughs> and, uh, I, silly, silly joke. But that moment of my life was like really funny. And so I'm thinking on the fly, how would you, maybe that's something I experienced that you hadn't, but uh-huh. how would you shorten that? And how would you actually make that a joke where you could actually deliver it? Where is that uh, hard? Is that hard to, is that even goofy for me to ask? <laughs> Probably goofy for me to ask. It's more of a story that's kind of silly, yeah. but uh, it was I mean, mind blowing to me. I just yeah. sat there jaw open and was looking at him like, I don't know if this is disrespectful, but I started laughing and they started laughing and then it was just a moment we were together, but I'm just thinking, how would you turn a story like that into actual comedy? And right. that might not be a good example at all, right? Well, it I'm made putting you, you on laugh, the spot. So. I mean, there's a, there's a kernel of humor in everything and I think it could, I, you could use anything to make a joke out of it. But I, I would say 
uh, to start out, like, what is the, uh, how would you convey it? I would say like a summary before you start out to be like, you know, it's like our cultures are so different or like, you know, people don't uh, think humans are just animals uh, like, or maybe like, you know, you know, like they look at humanity. I used to live in the Congo and they look at people differently back there uh, or like, you know, dating is weird. You know? Yeah, dating, <laughs> dating is weird. Dowries. You can buy your wife. Yeah. <laughs> How disciplined are you with your writing process? Do you do it every day? Do you have a set time that you do it? I try to do 2,000 words every day. Uh, I did it today, and I'm happy about that. I haven't done it in a while, but I try to do it every day. 2,000 words is about an hour. Uh, I try to sit down and consciously think about uh, comedy and my act. And I don't even always come up with something in that hour, but it sets me up to come up with something later on in the day because I practice writing down my thoughts. So now when I think of something, it comes naturally to write it down on the phone. Mm. And it gets me thinking about my jokes. And so it's just an hour of like consciously trying to come up with something. Mm -hmm. And also I think writing is just a nice practice for people to do. It's meditative. So it mm. doesn't always come up. It's not always great for comedy, but it's great for me. I get to see my thoughts in physical form instead of just having them be clouds in my head. Uh, I can actually see them and hopefully improve them now that I've gotten written down um, and see what's going on inside my head. I just think that's a big difference between someone that wants to fight you, which you've done, mm. and like you haven't even practiced, you know, mm -hmm. and somebody that wants to hop up on an open mic and you're like, have you written 2,000 words a day? Have, do you have a practice? <clears throat> have you written some things down? You know, it's like. Yeah, that's that's actually a huge um point because i'm i'm thinking like guys will come to me at a, a signing or at a fight like hey and in four months i'll i'll be in the ufc and it's like oh wow what'd you what'd you do how many fights have you had they oh i haven't had any fights say so, oh well uh, wh what belt in jujitsu are you what's your boxing background or were you an amateur wrestler were you like a state champion anything like that and they're like no i've never done anything like you've never done anything and in four months you're going to be in the UFC. They're like, yeah, and I, th I think I'm going to win one or two fights and then I'm going to go on. And so people don't see that you spent nine years grinding. And even me, I'm on the fly thinking, hey, Hans, how do you make this joke? How do you make this story <laughs> you, you funny? You sit down with it every single day. Yeah. You write it out. You know, like you yeah. do the work, right? Uh -huh. like, you do the work so mm -hmm. that you're prepared. Yeah. yeah. And man, like, so you said you don't even use it every day. What about, have you ever got a week of like writing stuff down now? Now you're under, under pressure because yeah. you got to come up with a new minute and, and how many, how many days of work might be that, that new minute that you use at Kill Tony? Like seven, hopefully. Wow. Yeah. Maybe longer. Cause it's like for that one joke, there's 10 that failed. So wow, gotta keep writing, keep throwing things at the wall. Um, but maybe you could start that joke out by being like, you know, people here don't respect chickens as much. I was in the pig <laughs> tribe. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's true. That's uh, man. I I just I appreciate the skill level, like the yeah, the talent, and being able to think on the fly like that. Because I'm just like, man, uh, it, it's an it, art. But it's not all in art it's also a skill 
a talent that he's cultivated with years. work. You know, <laughs> work. like right. you put like in the hours, you years put... of failing, and mm -hmm. you know, making a fool, and like people like, I thought you were a comedian. Ah, uh, whatever. And then <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, I should have said this then or that. And then just like having all those failures. Like you were talking about how you got into fighting because you didn't want to get bullied, but. Like fighters get in the gym, they get bullied mm. more than anyone because they're fighting people who are at their level or higher. So, like yeah. that's what I was thinking about strippers. Is like <laughs> they get into it because they're beautiful, but then you're around other beautiful people all the time. So mm. then yeah, there's no one who gets more uh, flack from other people than strippers, and it's like like uh, no matter where you go, it's, you're always gonna. Find your insecurities uh, mm. preyed upon, and uh, you know, like uh, I think that's amazing that you're such a, you know, like you got into fighting to stop the bullying, and now like um, you're very good at uh, preventing bullying and like uh, being able to fight back and all that. And I think uh, to be able to be able to get at be good at that, it takes a lot of sacrifice, and to be able to face. That fear of uh, you know uh, being bullied and being able to overcome that, I think, is you have to put yourself in that that scary moment where you're like on you know getting in in the cage and like there's another man in there and like with comedy, like to overcome that social fear, I have to get up on stage and you know be like this is me and oh look, I think I'm funny and then everyone like booing me or whatever and. To be able to overcome that, I I'd have to uh, subject myself to the thing that I hate so much. Mm. Um, so I think it's really amazing to do anything like that, um, really really uh, well. Because for all that success and the private jets or whatever is all the failures mm -hmm. that that it was built on. So were there were there any moments that stand out to you where you thought? how long have I been doing this? And maybe you were seeing a level of success or knew it was coming along. And then you had a moment where you're just like, fuck, maybe I had this all wrong. Maybe I should throw in the towel. Maybe I should wave the white flag. Maybe I should give up on this dream. Did you have any moments where you had this actual real doubt where you thought I'm, I'm over, I'm done. I'll go get a real job again. <laughs> Um, not to that degree, but I was in New York for three years and I didn't really, no one really, uh, booked me. I was like just another comedian there. So that was difficult. Like no one really picked me out of the crowd. Um, but, uh, you know, I always loved doing it and I just didn't respect real jobs enough and to, to do it. Like I could fail more at this. I'd rather fail at this than yeah. succeed at that. Man, I love you, man. That's so good. <laughs> Thank you. That's so good. I mean, truly, because a lot of people let that fear or that, how would we say it? Where our culture, we're, we're, we're more like a microwave culture than like a crock pot where we want everything instant gratification right now. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not successful tomorrow, if I don't go viral tomorrow or next week, like like almost entitled to be an overnight success. Yeah. And so to know that you're the kind of guy that's ride or die, I'm riding this thing, this train that I've chosen, 
honing my craft. Like this yeah. is, I'm in it to win it. And even if I lose, like I'm losing at what I love. Yeah. And uh, so that's, that's awesome. And I think that's the winning attitude. It's also taking away that safety net of like, mm. you, you, this is it. So you better make it work. <laughs> right? Right. Living the life, <laughs> immersing yourself in it without a, another thing that distracts you. Yeah. What's been one of your favorite moments um, in Austin, in the community, like being around these people who are super creative. I mean, just a, a just a memory that you're just like, you know what? I made the right decision moving to Austin and pursuing this thing. Um, probably uh, when I was playing Catan with my buddies, or uh, what do I remember? Um, like uh, just. Just some of the friends I made, and uh, was it the barbecue? The barbecue? Yeah. No, I'd oh, moving to Austin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> moving, moving to Austin, tasting the barbecue. You need to make the right decision. <laughs> no, yeah, the but, food here is amazing. Yeah. What was it like getting a? How did how did it happen where you became a regular at Kill Tony? Well, I just did the national anthem, and they were like, "You can come do a set afterwards." And then I did the set, and then. Uh, then at, at that set, they they told me I was a regular. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, then how'd you get the call that um, you were you were gonna start opening for Rogan? I uh, actually had sex with a stripper in a broom closet, and <laughs> <laughs> and then Greg Fitzsimmons told that story on Joe Rogan's podcast, and then the next day Joe Rogan asked if I could open for him. Tony asked me, and then I opened for him, and then I just kept doing it. And The it was... stripper? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, we, don't, we only had sex once. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, just my crazy wild attitude and like my, you know, my I'm embracing the moment and just, you know, like taking full advantage of it. Um, uh, but yeah, just like the my my you know zest for life maybe was like oh this guy's crazy or wild or fun and yeah you know i'm always happy to be there so has she come back looking for an extra tip after you got booked on rogan <laughs> <laughs> no i haven't been in contact with her <laughs> it's probably good <laughs> have you been uh we had someone actually i i walked away and amy told me that um a little guy had come and given you a gift card or something to the yellow rose oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. she was like a little guy gave me this <laughs> this gift card for a hundred bucks cody i go i go really and so i just started looking for a guy of shorter actually he stature. gave it to brigham and gave then to brigham. yeah and then brigham, brigham gave it to, it to you. Me. Mm -hmm. yeah and i guess he's a little person yeah right? and uh but the have you been there yeah, I went okay. once. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's saying we got to go check it out, and we. Heard I've this. been. I've been. You've been. Yeah, okay. I lived in Austin a long time. Of course, I've been to Yellow Rose. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I haven't. But um, man, is there any closing thoughts? Anything that you just that you would want to tell anybody that's either? I can give you a spectrum. You can say anything to close, but also. If someone is in a dark place, if someone's doubting their dream, if someone is dealing with insecurities, um, wondering about leaving a job if uh, to, to bet on themselves, they're stuck in the nine to five, the grind, the 40 hour 
work week or, or 80 hour work week in a cubicle. Like what's, what's something that Hans Kim could say to anyone on that? You can pick one, like just to wrap it up and let us close. Like how, how would you, what would you say to someone? I would say that we are all in this together. We need everyone expressing themselves and, uh, everyone has to be a part of this or else it doesn't work. Hmm. Um, the thing that's best in, uh, any of us is, is what is in all of us. The best parts of us are the most, uh, core parts of everybody. So I would say that you have it in you because we, we have it in us. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, uh, everyone has something to contribute. That's beautiful. Hans. Yeah. I mean, we, you got it in you. Don't give up. You've got this. Ask people for help. Like, I think, I think people want to help. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a story of that. Like they've seen how hard you are working saw how hard you were working. They saw the talent in you. They saw the love for your craft. Mm -hmm. And so people have come alongside you to help lift up your voice and deservingly so, because you're the kind of guy that, that, that should be supported. Um, and I love that you want to support others. And so thank you for being here. How can people best support you? How can they follow you? How can they check out more of your comedy and support this 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 rocket ship to the moon that is Hans Kim. I uh, I'm doing live shows. I post about it, DJ Hans Kim, on social media, and that's uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter, Instagram, okay, Facebook. Uh, would Do love you have to a see TikTok you. yet. Yeah, I'm yeah? on TikTok. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I'm you so yet. much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're a huge inspiration for me, wow. and I think it's amazing how positive you are. And, uh, you know, in MMA, which is seen as like a barbaric sport, you are such a beautiful shining light. And I think that uh, you you do it in, in, uh, in such a, you know, like a, in a sport that's so brutal, you are so uh, positive and it's just great for MMA and for just humanity in general. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Hans. I appreciate that. And uh, I don't think we've let the cat can't be let out of the bag too much because they're looking for a potential venue here in Austin for my comeback fight. And, uh, if it is in Austin, it might be Dallas or Houston, or it might be anywhere in the world, but, uh, it might be the fall. And, uh, if it's here in Austin, would you, would you come out? Of course. Yeah. I would love to have you there. I would love to be there. I'd love to, uh, have you there celebrate after if we have an after party, maybe we give you a, a new minute. <laughs> you can make us all I don't want to do that to you yeah. on your special day. No, that'd be awesome. I think it'd be a great way to celebrate. I like, I like, I like celebrating with the people that, that I love. So I love you, man. Thank and you. And I'm man. grateful you're here. Thank you. I love um, you too. Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll get a shirt. I love Hans Kim. So. All right, brother. Thank you for being here. Go follow him at uh, DJ Hans Kim. Also subscribe to his YouTube channel, uh, Hans Kim. And uh, come out to uh, Kill Tony on on a Monday soon because he's a regular and uh, it's always funny. And uh, you'll see him opening up for Rogan. So please go support our friends, Tony and Joe and definitely Hans. Thanks for being here, bro. Thank you, Justin. 
Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.